Welcome to the Agape Podcast. I'm Beck, a passionate, sold-out lover of Jesus who accidentally started a Christian singles ministry. And now I want to help as many people as possible to find their husband or wife while being super healthy and full of hope. So get ready for some real, raw talk about all things singleness and dating. Hello, 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 everybody. Today, I am joined by my amazing new friend, Sarah. Uh, I say hello, Sarah. Hello. Hello. <laughs> hello. Um, Sarah is amazing. And actually, we are doing this podcast because I have been doing some relationship coaching, or even, you might even say dating coaching, with her for the past, what, three months now. So just to give you guys a little bit of context, in, I think it was May, I put out a post on one of the single groups and I just had time in my schedule and I decided I really wanted to run with two girls um, and just coach them. Every Monday night we would meet and we would just talk about singleness, dating, and really work through the things that might have been holding them back from meeting guys, from receiving dates. Um, and and so I put that post out. I got quite a few applicants that wanted to do it and I just really asked Holy Spirit and there was two people that I picked out of the group that applied and Sarah was one of them. Her her application really stood out to me. She seemed really open to Holy Spirit, what he was willing to do in her life. And I just thought, you know what? This is this is going to be really cool. I think I could really help this person. And so um, it was for free. I did it for free. I just wanted to really invest in some people, the things that God had been teaching me, things about um, how to show that you're available for one. I feel like a lot of women you know, don't really understand that they're not showing availability. And that's actually what's turning a lot of men off. Um, You know, guys would want to approach them if they were, you know, more confident in themselves, they loved themselves more, if they showed that they were available. There's a whole list of things that the Lord had really been giving me revelation on for the last, you know, year and a half of doing singles ministry. And so I was able to watch Sarah and this other girl that I was, um, you know, coaching really start to change and grow and find their identity and they started getting asked out and going on dates and 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 initiating dates some of you guys even did uh you know it was really incredible to see the transformation and so welcome Sarah that was just a little bit of background on like what we did but we're gonna go deeper because Sarah is gonna share her testimony of what God did with her through coaching um and I really I really love coaching because I feel like coaching can get you to a point where you can't necessarily get yourself. And that's what I love about it. You have somebody else really pulling out the gold, hearing from Holy Spirit and walking you through the process of breakthrough. Um, And we just saw so much fruit and we celebrated so much fruit in your life through that, that I'm, I'm just really excited to hear about it. So Sarah, without further ado, can you introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about you so the people who are listening can get an idea of who you are, what you do, what you're about. Yeah. So my name is Sarah. I'm originally from Wisconsin. I'm 40 years old and I moved to Reading about 11 years ago and, um, and I haven't dated very much at all, like until the last couple of years, um, and still don't consider myself an experienced dater. So 
I don't know. I just wanted to connect with Beck um, when she po posted that she was willing to coach some people. I jumped on the opportunity and um, she's a very well-connected woman. So <laughs> at the very least, <laughs> like... that's right. I did set you up on a, like some dates too that uh, went pretty well, if I do say so myself. So <laughs> I'm pretty proud of that. Um, I was like a matchmaking mastermind uh, right about a, a month or two ago where everyone was getting together and having dates and um, it was just really fun. Some, some relationships have come from that as well. And some really good friendships have come from that as well, which I'm really excited about. Um, yeah. but yeah, what made, what drew you to do coaching? Like what actually made you say, Hey, I think I'd like to have somebody invest in me rather than me kind of do it on my own and, and figure it out. Um, I think I'm always about personal growth and, um, I don't, I haven't had an official coach before, but, um, just felt like, you know, if, if I can take anything away from you and um, your experience um, and grow on this journey, relational journey, that I would be open to that. Um, and also I know that you're like a following Holy Spirit and, you know, a believer. And so there's like a trust level with that. Um, yeah, but I didn't really know what to expect, honestly, because, yeah. <laughs> you know, what does a dating coach even do? I don't, I don't really know, but was pleasantly surprised, um, that we did, yeah, a variety of different things in our coaching. So most of our, our calls were like Beck giving me homework, um, maybe between three and six things. And then I would take the next week to do those things. And then the next week we would talk about them and what happened. Um, and some of those things were reflection questions, uh, journaling questions, prayer, topics of prayer between me and the Lord, um, inner healing. And then there was always at least one kind of risk um, as far as... Yes, there was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Did you find it challenging? Oh, yes. It was challenging. Um, probably about a month into it, I was like, I don't know if I want to keep doing this. Like... It was, it was stretching <laughs> for sure. Yeah. So talk to us, who were you at the beginning of coaching? Because I remember I, I we on our last coaching call, I read out the list of like all the struggles you were having, all the, the, the kind of barriers that you were coming up against. Um, you know, who were you when we first started, you know, before the three weeks, uh, for, you know, gosh, what am I saying? I'm like fumbling. This is my third call of the day. I'm really sorry. I've been like nonstop. So what I'm meaning to say is who were you when we first started like three months ago? Mm -hmm. Um, well, where were you at? Yeah. Um, I would say that I, I love myself and I'm still the same kind of, I would say I'm still kind of the same confidence level, but more like lacking in skills of how to like maybe navigate, um, getting to know guys. And, uh, I mean, one of the questions Beck asked me in the beginning was how many guys do you meet? Like new people do you meet in a week? And I was like, probably zero, maybe one, but probably zero. And so that was a big, I guess, um, stretch stretching point is just meeting, stretching myself to meet new people and go places where I would meet new people. Yeah. And you did that really well. And so for those of you who are listening, who obviously weren't part of our calls every week, I challenge Sarah to meet three new single guys. 
Um, and at the beginning, they could be non-Christian or Christian. It didn't really matter. Just to start talking to people who were single. Um, obviously, it would be ideal if they were Christian. And we're in a pretty Christian environment. So that was kind of ideal. But it wasn't about dating them. It was just to get used to talking to men. Because I, I found quite a lot of women um, actually don't have a lot of single guy friends or aren't around guys a lot and had a real barrier about approaching them. And so one of the things was, hey, just start talking to people. Just start being friendly, um, you know. And, and actually the beautiful thing that happened with you, Sarah, is that as you started to do that, you became so much more outgoing and friendly and it wasn't such a big deal to talk to guys anymore, which was kind of what we were going for too, right? Mm-hmm. So you, you grew in confidence just to be able to talk to members of the opposite sex without being kind of awkward or um, not really knowing what to do or feeling anxious about it. And then the other thing about challenging you to meet three new guys um, was that a lot of people get stuck in the same loops. They go to the same church. They go to the same um, you know, they go to work, they come home, they hang out with the same, you know, group of friends all week. And then they say, well, I'm not meeting anyone to date. And so it was just about going, okay, how many people are you meeting? Okay. If you, if you want to get yourself in front of more people so that you can date them, you literally just have to meet more people. And so that's when we sort of started transitioning rather than, Hey, just talking to people who are single and, you know, um, or even just men in general, I think it was in the beginning, not even necessarily single men. And then we started focusing on single Christian, godly, amazing men um, and see, and kind of seeking them out. Like, where do these people hang out? If I if I want to meet them, what's what's my part? And then God does the rest, right? So what what's up to me kind of thing? And so we worked on that. And so Sarah was great. She got to meet lots of new men <laughs> talk to I remember you were saying one time you were even at a restaurant and you tapped the person behind you just to make conversation <laughs> do you want to tell us about that gosh yeah um I think uh I didn't take so every week I didn't meet three people every week uh, but it was always sort of my goal but yeah just one time I was like you know, I wanted to try my best to meet these homework assignments. And so <laughs> it was just out of town, actually on vacation with some friends. And uh, yeah, some no- noticed the person in front of us was single. And then he sat down behind us and I, there's like a short window where I could like tap him on the shoulder and ask him a question. So I did. I was like, all right, I'm fulfilling my assignment. And <laughs> come on. And, and I, I saw you just grow through that. You became way more confident with men, just talking to men, you know, and um, really opened up. And the great thing is then you started going on dates. <laughs> um, you know, you, you initiated a few and got to know some people. Some people approached you as well. So what was that like? Because I remember when we first spoke, maybe you didn't necessarily see yourself as somebody who had a lot of guy friends, but as, and also, um, there were some limiting beliefs around that. Actually, let's talk about that first. What were the limiting beliefs or the ungodly beliefs that you had about men? Yeah. Um, well, I actually wrote a list of the top 10 things that I learned from having a dating coach. And so we'll, uh, we'll go through those. But one of them was, um, yeah, when you recognize a lie that you're believing, ask God what the truth is and start to declare it and then look for evidence of that truth. And so I'm not too long before I met Beck, like the Holy Spirit convicted me that I was believing that there weren't enough godly men for all of the godly women that want to be married. And so, um, 
yeah, we definitely worked on that. Um, I was starting to declare, in fact, when I just started to declare the opposite before I met Beck, like the very next day, a friend suggest, uh, wanted to set me up with somebody. Um, I was just amazed that that happened the next day. But um, one of Beck's challenges um, for me to overcome that was just to write down names of single godly men, um, you know, over 30, uh, whether it was somebody I noticed online or in person. And so that encouraged me when I um, started noticing, you know, instead of the lack, like noticing what does exist. Um, How many people would you say was on your list just from the top of your head? Oh, uh, I don't know an exact number, but it's definitely. You told me about 50. It's definitely growing. Um, yeah, for sure. And Beck's uh, singles Facebook pages are a, are a good way to see that godly men exist too. Mm-hmm. Yep. And how did that raise your hope level? Because I remember when we met, there was, okay, the hope level is maybe just a little bit not quite where I want it to be, or maybe feeling a little bit like deflated, or is this ever going to happen for me? Mm-hmm. So what was it like having hope through doing that exercise? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, very encouraging. I think whatever we, you know, focus on grows and, or, you know, it changes our perspective. And then also somehow, sometimes like what manifests in the natural too. Um, so I would say that was a big part of, um, of raising my hope level for sure. And just, yes, all of them. And hope is attractive. And so I love that as you started to become more hopeful, people were naturally drawn to you, even just to talk to you. I remember before you were like, oh, you know, I'm not necessarily talking to as many people or I'm just kind of coming to certain things and leaving. But now you made an effort to consciously speak to people and then people were wanting to approach you as well. It really changed those things. Um, so let's go through your list because I love that you came prepared. You wrote a list of 10 things that you learned from having a dating coach. So if you want to go through them, I might just ask some questions as we go. Yeah, sure. Um, so one of Beck's challenges to me was guard your heart. And I don't know how many of you have heard that advice, you know, with dating, guard your heart. And so I think we really, uh, broke it down. Like, what does that practically mean? And so of course, um, there's physical boundaries, um, to guard your heart and, you know, we don't want to get physically involved with someone because our hearts are going to get, um, involved, uh, but I feel like setting those boundaries, physical boundaries are pretty easy. It can be kind of cut and dry, but um, setting emotional boundaries can be tougher. So the two things that uh, Beck and I kind of honed in on were guarding our conversation and guarding our thoughts. Um, so not all topics, I guess I hadn't really thought about it Um that much before, but like not all topics of conversation are equal. And, and so when we're talking about certain things too early on, like our hearts can be over invested and, and then the more invested we are, the harder it's going to be to disengage from like the friendship or relationship. So one of Beck's challenges to me was to categorize topics uh, based on like the level of relationship. And she said, ask the Lord what's okay to share or not share according to the stage of relationship. It could be according to how many dates you've been on or by commitment level. 
So there's not like an exact science, but, um, but I did do that and kind of categorizing it like, okay, there's, there's facts, um, sharing facts about your life, maybe sharing your opinions on certain subject matters. And then like your hopes and dreams. Um, those are where the hopes and dreams kind of are where your, your heart comes in. And, um, yeah, so that was, that was really helpful to break that down. And also I, I feel like, um, just gauging what feels vulnerable to talk about because it could be like a neutral subject, but something in there could feel vulnerable for you to talk about. So yeah, um, as I, I got to practice this, um, you know, following this advice. And when I decided to be friends with the person, like I didn't regret oversharing. So I was very thankful for that. Yes. I feel like when, um, cause yeah, you kind of getting to know someone and then it was like, Hey, let's be friends, but you hadn't given all of yourself to that person. And so you were able to, to walk away and go, Oh, I, I didn't overshare. I haven't given my heart. We can just be friends. I'm not having to mourn or go through this massive like rejection or anything like that. You stayed in a really healthy place. And I think the really good thing too about pacing, because at one point we wrote, at what point in relationship will you share certain things? And so you actually had landmarks to look at. Okay, when we're at this point, I will share this. So you knew that, hey, if we get there, these topics will come. (laughs) So I don't have to stress about saying everything. I don't have to know everything of who I am in the first five minutes. Mm -hmm. Um, We will get there, but I'm actually really guarding myself. And I think you did that so well that when, you know, it didn't necessarily, you know, work out, Mm -hmm. which is totally fine because that was just not the person for you. Um, It was still such a beautiful experience. You felt so honored. You were honoring. um, You were able to walk away and and not leave a part of your heart with somebody else because you just gave so much. Mm -hmm. Um, So I really want to honor you for that because I feel like you really – Ask the questions, okay, what should I be sharing? What shouldn't I be sharing? Uh, when is the right time? Um, and even coming up with boundaries. But I think that comes further down on your list. So I'm excited for number two. Yeah. What's, what's, the, what's the next thing that you learned? Um, also in there was um, guarding your thoughts. Um, but uh, before that, I just wanted to share one thing. I remembered this story. Um, I was getting to know someone. Um, it was through online dating and we were talking on the phone and he lived in another state and like within a few conversations, he was just, um, kind of like laid out his plan of how he would like move to Reading and, um, I'm a realtor and he was like having me look at land to buy, um, to like build his dream house and just laid out this whole vision of like starting a company here. And it was like pretty detailed, um, you know, looking back and like, he wasn't, it wasn't because he was necessarily in love with me or trying to, um, hook me in some way. He was just a visionary. And so I feel like, Mm -hmm. um, for some of us who are visionaries, it can be easy to like envision a future with the person and even share it with them down to details of houses or whatever. But, um, like we said, that's not really helpful. Um, looking back, I think I would have stopped him and said, Hey, that's not, really good for my heart to be talking about that right now. So, but yeah, something I learned. But I love that you can identify that now. So that's the growth of, oh, I know what my heart needs and what's going to be hard for my heart and what's actually going to really bring it life. And this isn't that. Yeah. Um, And actually having the boundaries to say something Mm -hmm. so that you can guard who you are. 
because you don't want to be giving your heart away to everybody and then have all these wounds and emotional baggage. And so when you do find your person, there's so much more triggers and less, you're not as healthy. You can't come, you know, with everything that you could be. There's still, there's a lot more healing that needs to happen when you don't guard your heart. So I just love that you're asking these questions and realizing how you're growing through them. Yeah. And then the other thing is just guarding your thoughts. Beck would always challenge me. She's like, how are you going to stay present when you're getting to know this person? And, um, and I think that that looked like just remaining curious about the person, not imagining a future together or not imagining being physically intimate with them um, and just catching any rogue thoughts and just saying, God, I surrender my thoughts to you. So, yeah. Yeah. That's a really big one too, because it's so easy to start picturing your lives together, where you would live. And I, I've even heard girls that I've been speaking to, you know, they've been on one date and they, are already in this place and the unfortunate thing is that it's not reality it's not being present it's not um staying in like the truth of what the situation really is which is hey you've been on one date um so it actually steals from that but also living in fantasy i find when people are so focused on the future when it doesn't happen then there's like two two things to mourn you mourn the present reality of okay this relationship didn't work out but then you're also mourning oh this hope that I had this future that I had in my head now doesn't exist and now sometimes that's a harder fall than actually just the relationship not working out and so again when you were you know kind of getting to know someone and it didn't work out um you hadn't built up you were present the whole time and so it wasn't like this massive fall later right yeah um with anybody that we get to know that's going to be the case if we're if we're just staying present staying in reality and also staying in what the person has said so if they say hey I just want to get to know you um you're like okay that's the truth as I know it unless they say hey I want you to be my girlfriend Mm -hmm. like the truth is he just wants to get to know me which means nothing else than what he has said um and I think that was really cool to just you worked on a lot as staying present and it really guarded your heart. Yeah. And I think that can be applied outside of dating as well. Um, really. For girls, I think the tendency like could be romantically attaching to someone you're not even dating um, because you are imagining a future with them, which can prevent you from being open to meeting other people. So, Yes. And potentially the right person. Yep. I love that. So good, Sarah. Mm-hmm. All right. So the next one, talking about boundaries again, is if you and the person you're getting to know decide not to date but want to maintain a friendship, it's important to create a list of emotional boundaries and talk about those together. Um, Yeah, so that happened um, in the last three months. And so Beck gave me the challenge of like coming up with a list. She's like, okay, now that you guys are going to be friends, like what are your emotional boundaries? And so I came up, initially I came up with a list of don'ts. Um, and then the next time I hung out with the person, I was like super stressed. I was like, oh no, what if we accidentally do one of the don'ts? Um, and so then I told Beck about that and she said, why don't you change your list of don'ts um, to do's and then also have a conversation with him about it so that you're both on the same page. So, um, So mm-hmm. I did that. So what was, let's talk about the don'ts and do's because when you have a list of don'ts, it can feel very like rules and legalistic, right? And like you said, it brought pressure. Oh my gosh, I can't 
um, you know, divulge too much about my heart because I want to, now I want to keep emotional boundaries. And that's really important, right? If you maybe thought you, you know, hey, I might date and now we're going to be friends and we're actually going to hang out a little bit in, in groups and things. Um, but the other thing is to rephrasing it as do's. Okay, instead of we're not going to, don't talk about um, futures, futures together, for instance. That's a don't, right? You can phrase it as a do. Do stay present and only uh, talk about reality of your relationship right now, your friendship right now. Mm-hmm. So it just gave you so much freedom to, hey, we're going to stay in the do's and keep it positive. These are the only things we're going to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, do, do give a side hug. Cool. So apart from a side hug, we're not going to do anything else because that's our do. We don't have to say don't hold hands or don't kiss or don't, you know, rah, rah, rah. It's like, hey, that's a lot of, pre- like you said, pressure and we're trying not to, you know, oh, all these things that I can't do. Um, obviously, you weren't wanting to kiss them or anything like that. But just as an example, <laughs> um, it, it felt a lot more freeing, if I'm right. Does that feel more freeing to have do's mm. instead of don'ts? Yes, totally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and then so along, I, like, presented the list, which was, like, slightly uncomfortable, but, um, but shared my list of emotional boundaries, and then also just agree, like, we agreed to communicate um, going forward and what our expectations were, if any, felt like any boundaries were crossed, so I think that's a big one, is just to agree to communicate. Yeah. Do you want to share maybe one or two of your do's that you felt were really important? Yeah. Um, I said, talk about things we feel peace about, um, do things together that seem appropriate for our level of friendship, give touch and friend appropriate ways, uh, be spirit led, be myself and ask God and trust God to guard my heart, which I feel like that's an important key as well. Like, yes, we have a mm-hmm. uh, responsibility to guard our hearts, but we can also ask the Lord and trust that he's a good father and he's going to help us, um, guard our, guard us as well. And even lead the other person, like speaking from a female perspective, um, just that he'll lead the guy, whether to pursue us or not and things like that. That's awesome. I love that. Is there anything else you want to say on that one before you go to your next point? Um, No, I think that's good. Awesome. I love that. I I love that you got so much out of, hey, how can we, because it was cool that God brought up things while we were coaching so that we could work through it together and you could have somebody next to you championing you, but helping to guard your heart, to ask those questions. And really what we did was just ask the Holy Spirit. I I prompted you a lot in like asking Holy Spirit questions and he would bring revelation. He is so good at it. He is so good at leading you and you hear him so well. Um, you know, he's the, one of the, he's wonderful counselor. So like, let him do his job. Right. Yeah. I love it. Yes. All right. Did you want to share number three with us? Yes. Uh, pay attention to your triggers. Um, and mm-hmm. so by trigger, I mean, just if you're having an emotional response to something the other person did or said, um, it could be like a red or a yellow flag, but most often they're not, it's something that's not really worthy of a big emotional response. And so um, it's some sort of indicator of like a wounding in our heart, um, which then we should take to the Lord and <laughs> and uh, get fixed. So um, Beck has Beck has an example of of a trigger. Oh, I do. Okay, um, <laughs> put on the spot. 
So what I, what I was going to say about triggers, sorry, hang on, somebody's just walking inside my door. Um, so I, what I was going to say about triggers is that, first of all, they are ours. It's not the other person triggering us. So actually owning that and saying, okay, I'm feeling this emotional response. What's going on in my heart? And dealing with that first is really important. And then you can focus on the other person what they might have done might have been bad. It might have been uh, wrong. It might have been totally fine. It might have been neutral. So first, it's all about what was my response and why. And that's actually really being self-aware and talking to Holy Spirit about, okay, what's going on with me? Because I've had a level 10 reaction to a level 2 problem. And and it's irrespective of the other person. You can deal with that other, the relationship that you have with that other person later. Um, and so I find when I get triggered, I go to the Holy Spirit first. Okay, Lord, why did that trigger me? So for instance, when I, oh, what's a really good one? Mm, okay. So when I first started dating my husband, his, um, what would he do? Um, oh, what's one? Hang on. I was triggered a lot. <laughs> I'm trying, I'm trying to pick one. Um, okay. So the way, so, okay. So when we first got married, let's say this. The way my husband um, handled money was felt very similar to my father. So I would get really triggered because I'm like, oh, he's doing X, Y, and Z. And that's, and I'm like, ooh. And I'm like, I feel unsafe. Like, I feel like he's just going to blow through cash. Like, uh, oh my gosh, I feel really triggered by this. And it was really when I went back to the Lord, I was like, why does this trigger me so much? And, my, and the Lord was like, oh, your, your dad, this reminds me of your dad and your dad did something similar. And so I was like, okay, so I had to go through uh, repenting of having, you know, formed judgments against my father for how he handled money, regardless of whether it was he'd handled it well or not. I had judged him and I had to repent for that judgment. And then I broke off, um, like I, I kind of broke agreement with those judgments and the lie that like people who handle money this way can't be trusted. And then I uh, walked out forgiveness and prayed for him, right? And then, and then I could deal with Nick and talk to him about like, hey, this is how this makes me feel. And as time went on, I realized, oh, he's actually not irresponsible. He's not going to just like waste all our money. But I was seeing it through a lens of, oh my gosh, this is what my dad used to do. And there's little things that come up in dating all the time. And people say like, oh, this is such a red flag. Um, and I think sometimes they're actually not red flags. It's just for them. They have, they're so triggered by it because it reminds them of somebody else. And they're not healthy in that area. Um, or they've had trauma when they were younger. Something's coming up for them. And so that's why I encourage, hey, deal with the trigger first. Because then you can actually see this through the right lens of, is it actually wrong? Is it actually bad? Is it like a moral failure? Or is it something that actually is pretty neutral? But you're seeing it through a lens, through filter, through sunglasses, however, however you want to put it. Um, and then you can actually have healing from it. I find a lot of people back away from... Um, potential dating partners and the other person hasn't done anything wrong, but they're like, Oh, he, oh, some people get so triggered by such little things. I can't even, I can't even think of an example. Um, you know, she, she wanted to split the check with me, which just seemed really controlling or like I got really triggered because what does she not think that I can't provide? Um, and she's just like, oh, I was just trying to offer to like, you know, be kind. Um, and, and so he didn't feel the burden. And some guys that brings up this trigger in, or even insecurity of, well, people will think maybe I, I don't have the job that I want 
or I'm not living like, you know, the way that I thought I should be. And, and so that brings that up actually in me. And so actually stepping away and going, okay, I felt really triggered by that. It, it brought an emotional response. Why was I triggered? What came up? Where's the root of that? Fleshing out the root of that. And then actually looking at that person through those fresh eyes and saying, okay, did they trigger me? Or I allowed myself to get triggered. Is what they did wrong or bad? No, she was trying to be nice. You know what I mean? So I feel like, yeah, we did, we dealt a lot with triggers. Um, why are triggers there? Where are they coming from? Who do we need to forgive, bless, release? And there was a lot of freedom and a lot of breakthrough that came from that. And I've seen that in multiple people that I've, I've spoken to um, and kind of done a little bit of coaching with where, oh, they've really been able to see, oh, these are these lenses that I've been walking around with. And as soon as I take that off, I'm way more open. I have way more hope. I'm a lot more forgiving. And I, I, I notice how I'm showing up in certain areas and the ways that aren't necessarily serving me. Um, and I'm a- actually able to get those things out of my life. Because also you in your triggered state is not your best self. Um, I, I've heard people say, you know, when you're in your triggered state, you revert to um, between like, like you're, you're like a th- two to five year old. Okay, so you you shut down, you might have a little tantrum, um, you know, you get very childish um, in it. And so, again, you're you're not showing up in your dating life or just in your normal life when you're in your triggered state. And so it's actually about removing yourself, dealing with that, coming back. And that's how we really find healing and wholeness in in dating is is dealing with these triggers and seeing where they're coming up. Because in marriage, that's like a pressure cooker for these things. So the beautiful thing about dating is that it brings up triggers. It brings up who you really are and how you really see yourself. So you can work on that with Holy Spirit. So probably more than it would in any other relationship. Exactly. That's why I really encourage people to date. I mean, date Christians, date godly, amazing Christians, but date and get to know people. And it's not to use them to find out more about yourself. I actually think dating isn't to get married necessarily as the primary goal. Uh, I should say it's, it's a really, it's a side effect. It will happen. But if you date to find out more about yourself, more about your type, what kind of people you like, um, you will be way more open. You might be surprised by who you meet. You will meet your husband or wife. I'm so certain of that. Um, and, and like I said, the side effect is that you will, you will meet your person. But I think some people I have to know before I go on the date, I have to make sure I just, or a dating has to be for marriage every time, but that makes it so high stakes. And I find they're so not open to, to talking to different people who actually could be that person. I, if you speak to most people, they end up marrying someone who they would never have gone for in the first place, but they were open and they were available. And so I think this philosophy of dating of like, Hey, just go on a date, get to know someone um, really helps you refine who, what your type is. Cause your type might not even be, based in health like the healthiest you might not actually pick this type but because you have triggers and your baggage and and you um you know cycles uh where people you know they might be really attracted to dependent people because they love being the rescuer like that's not actually your type is not necessarily serving you and i feel like if people actually knew what their type was um they'd probably be married (laughs) because they know what they need but i really feel like we don't and i would never have picked my husband but i was open I got to know a lot of people and he came along and he rocked my world. But if I had, if I had been like, Oh, I'm only in this for marriage. I would have said no when he came around. Cause I was like, I don't, you're just not my, not my type, not what I'm thinking of. But my type was 
built out of a place of dysfunction um, and not from a place of health. And actually through dating, God brought me into a place of health so I could see the gold in him when we started dating. I'm sorry, I'm preaching now, but I'm getting excited. Um, okay, sorry, Sarah. So I was trying to answer your triggers question. I hope I did that well. You did, you did. And then I'll, so I think the main takeaway is that you want to work on triggers like alone with the Lord, get inner healing. But there, as you're getting to know the person, it could be appropriate to tell them how whatever they did or said affected you. But just, I guess what we want to say is that you don't necessarily have to, especially if it's like, you know, your first or second date, <laughs> they don't need to know that you were triggered. Um, but it could be a, a way to also build trust with them and for them to get to know you if you're continuing to yeah. date. And that actually can help to... If you trust the person, you've had a few dates and you're like, hey, I actually think I could tell them where I'm at. Being like, hey, when you did this, I just want to let you know the reason why I reacted a little bit funny or, or hey, you just did this and this is what came up for me. I'm going to go and process with that. It's not appropriate for you to process with the person. Um, you know, I really advocate for processing with your mentors until you're in a solid relationship, until you're committed. Um, you have community in your life to process with it's not that person again that's that emotional boundary um but you can share hey this is what came up for me i'm sorry i'm just feeling a little bit triggered i'm gonna go process with my people um you know can we talk after that or just just kind of letting them in on the on the process because if you are actually starting to date and be a little bit more serious falling off the grid you know you just want to communicate a little bit you don't have to tell them everything but you can let them know a little bit about what's going on and then go to your people not them to talk about it with it's a really good point. Sure. Okay, point number four. Even though it's uncomfortable, intentionally striking up conversations with the opposite gender and going places to meet new people can be a helpful part of the journey in meeting your future spouse. <laughs> so we did yeah, that's what you learned. That's all awesome. we talked about that at the beginning, just Beck's challenge to meet three guys a week. Um, it was a lot, especially just as because there aren't as many social activities happening these days. Um, but I mean, I realized that something about myself with that challenge is that I'm pretty task oriented. So like if I'm going somewhere or doing something, I'm focused on the task. I'm not a super extrovert. Like I don't normally make conversation with strangers. Um, and except if it's maybe the cashier at the store or something like that. But, um, but Beck's challenge has made me a little more aware of who is around me and who to make conversation with. Um, and then one of her challenges was, one week was to go to somewhere in person to meet, specifically to meet people. And so, and she said, you know, there's a swing dance thing under the Sundial Bridge this weekend, you know, maybe you could do that. So it's like getting towards the end of the week. And I have, I don't know of any other event that's happening. So I was like, I guess I need to go to the swing dance thing, even though I've only done it once before. And I didn't know anyone else who was going, but I made myself go like, it was a push. I would have been much more comfortable staying at home. Um, like going to things, you know, without somebody else is just uncomfortable. Um, unless you're probably an extrovert, but I went and, you know, just kind of determined to be more extroverted and welcome other people and introduce myself. And it was fine. It was fun. And I met a couple of people. Um, but yeah, something I wouldn't have done if Beck wouldn't have challenged me to do that. Would you say you got more confident talking to people and just relating to different types of people? 
Yeah, I think it's a choice. I think I've always, I've had that ability probably for the last 20 years. Um, but I think it's more so, um, making myself do it. <laughs> so yeah. It's not my natural tendency. And did you meet, did you meet guys at these things? Uh, Cause you didn't just go swing dancing. You did quite a few like events and you even went to some online events. Like what were your experiences like that? Did it actually put you in front of different guys that you wouldn't have met if you had never done Oh, for it. sure. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And you even stepped out and did some posts on that on the uh, Facebook groups that we have and had some guys like reach out to you, mm-hmm. uh, you know, like that's super fun. You really, really stepped out. I'm just reading. If you, can you read the last paragraph a little bit of this, this point? Cause Sarah's very onto it. She sent me the, like a little document of what she was going to talk about. And I just, I'm really enjoying reading this last little paragraph. If you want to read it. Yeah, that you can me. expand on this. But I said, as Beck okay. says, it's not about trying to find dates, like her challenge to meet new people. Um, actually, mm-hmm. it comes from the book, um, How to Get a Date Worth Keeping. Is that right? I haven't yes. actually read the Sorry. book, but that's kind of part of um, your philosophy yes. in dating coaching. Anyways. Well, it's actually funny because I feel like it was my philosophy. Oh. And I was like, this is what I believe. And then I read this book after. Oh. And I was like, this book is like quoting. Oh, wow. And that's why, yeah, it was really weird. I feel like there's things around in the spirit that the Lord's speaking to people in who are in this kind of realm, because I actually have used the exact examples that they use in this book, just off the top of my head, thought, hey, this is a great example. Um, I felt like it was literally sometimes word for word things that I had said. So this wasn't even necessarily something I got from the book. This was something that was I was already encouraging people, but it put more language around mm. it. So, yes, I would definitely recommend reading mm. it because it's, for me, it's like reading my thoughts on paper for, most, for the most part. <laughs> so, of course, I'd recommend it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I said, um, you know, what you told me was it's not about trying to find dates or flirt with guys to entice them to fall in love with you. It's about becoming more comfortable meeting new people and conversing with the opposite sex. Yes. And naturally I found with the, like I said, with the people that I've been engaging with, talking with, they become way more open and they project availability, especially women way more when they do this. Um, I actually heard a few times guys say, if there are two women in the room, they are equally attractive. Why do you think that the men will go to one over the other? And I was like, I don't know. Um, and they said one is available and open and friendly and um, looks like they're, they would be open to somebody engaging with them. And that's availability. They are projecting availability. And so I found when women are getting out of their comfort zones and meeting new people, they're practicing in inverted commas, just talking to members of the opposite sex, they are projecting so much more availability. One of my friends started reading a book. Um, it was like 99 ways to talk to people or something like that. And she was working on projecting availability like we are. And she was being friendly. She was going up to people and she's like, literally back. I, I didn't go up to anyone. I thought, okay, I'm just going to like see what happens after reading this book. And she wasn't even finished it and she's like I went to the grocery store and I had four people come up to me <laughs> and she's like I had to kind of be like how do I turn this thing off because I need to like get my shopping done and there were randoms who wanted to just come and chat with her it's like there's something that is in the spirit when you start putting yourself out there that people around you can pick up on um and that's what that was really about it wasn't again like you said it wasn't about flirting or trying to entice the person and be manipulative 
literally just be friendly and see what happens. And it was really cool to see the fruit that came from that later on. Um, So, yeah, is there anything else you want to say on that one? Mm -hmm. Um, Nope, I think that's it. Okay. So, number five. I think we'll... I, I, just, I think we'll end on number five. She does have ten, so we might do a part two. Um, I just really want to make sure we don't go over time, and I know this is going to be like an hour and a half if we if we do all ten. So let's do the fifth one, and then we can do a part two if you're cool with that. So yeah. Okay, so if the person you're dating or just having coffee with doesn't choose to pursue you or be in a relationship with you, pay attention to the story that you're telling yourself afterward. Take your disappointment to the Lord, ask him to renew your mind with the truth, and write down what he says. Yes, this is so good. We can have a fact, we can have something that is truth, like this has happened, and then we make up a story and ascribe meaning to it. So, he didn't want to have a coffee with me again. I must not be very amazing and no one will ever want to date me. Um, you know, there are these stories that we, t- oh, you know, he, um, I don't know. He said something to me, this must mean this about myself. Mm-hmm. You know, these are the stories that are so easy to tell mm-hmm. ourselves. And so how did this play out for you, Sarah? Why mm-hmm. was this something that you wanted to focus on and how did you find breakthrough? In yeah. It? Um, I think it's really important on the journey because if we're having low stakes dates, um, then that means that we're going to, you know, one person is probably going to say no, whether it's us or the other person, um, because, yeah, like, we don't know (laughs) what's going to happen going into it. We're not doing the courtship method. Um, So, so what, um, yeah, so when this happened to me, so a guy, I was getting to know someone, he decided not to continue pursuing me. Um, For me, it didn't, it, thankfully, it didn't like um, I didn't take it personally as far as a value statement. But for me, it kind of brought up past disappointment and like, oh, you know, am I ever going to is this ever going to happen? Um, and so it was like past like the culmination of past stuff was like kind of being hit on in that moment. So Beck asked me um to write down the questions, will disappointment keep happening in my love life and will I ever get married and take those to the Lord? And so I did and like he really comforted me and I just like journaled a lot of good truth, um, which is a little bit too personal to probably share here. Um, But I mean, a few things that I think um, are true for anyone is just like, you know, God isn't torturing us, like he has the best for us. going back to his goodness because also I think disappointment like can actually be attached to God and like our view of him too. And, and, um, and I think it's okay. And we need to be kind of vulnerable with the Lord and, and share our disappointment with him or his timing. I think that's totally fine, but um, making sure that we aren't ascribing like these disappointments to him not being for us or him, being mean or, um, you know, trying to teach us some sort of lesson in a, in a not so kind way. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, I think, um, the big thing is just like to keep hope alive and know that just because disappointment has happened or, you know, um, you know, we haven't 
met the right person yet, that it doesn't mean that's not a story that is going to continue to happen in the future. Like just because it hasn't happened yet doesn't mean it's not going to happen. Yeah. I love that you've had this revelation because stories really do still kill and destroy and they're not rooted in truth. You know, oftentimes it's like, Hey, we're just not compatible and that's okay. I'm going to go meet someone else and we're probably going to be more compatible or the next person. Um, and like you said, it's keeping hope alive because those stories, we can get in those stories and it can keep us in there. It keeps us in this like self pity. Um, you know, we have low self esteem because we're trying to answer the question of, am I lovable? Am I worthy in dating? And that will never go well. And so a no is just a no. It doesn't mean no one will ever love you. It doesn't mean you're a terrible person. It doesn't mean you're going to die alone. It's just a no from this person. And that's okay because the more people you get to meet, the more opportunity you have to, um, you know, meet someone that you're compatible with and date. And, you know, then maybe that won't work, but you'll date somebody else. or maybe that will work out and you will get married. Um, and actually seeing it like that. Okay, I'm just finding who I'm compatible with. Mm-hmm. So it's okay if it's a no but I have to guard the stories and meaning that I'm attributing to the no. Um, and so, cause it's, it's not truth. And actually coming back to the Lord, like you said, and journaling or asking him, what is the truth of what you say about me? Yeah. Cause right now I'm thinking like for me, one of my, my ungodly beliefs was that no good guy, good godly man would ever want to marry me. Um, yeah. I, I believe like just a normal Christian who like, you know, doesn't really love Jesus that much. Um, you know, maybe isn't super attractive or I'm not attracted to them. And, you know, just like every day, you know, maybe they like play video games and, you know, drink, uh, what was it? Like just super unhealthy, like basically complete opposite of me. Um, you know, they might be interested in me, but somebody who's incredible and who I'd actually want to be with, who's way more my speed. Um, yeah, no, he would like me. And so actually I was like, oh, I've had something happen in my life where somebody that I thought was really incredible rejected me. And now I've attributed meaning to that. And that meaning isn't serving me and it's actually not truth. As soon as I started working through that, got rid of that lie and replaced it with truth of who God says I am, there was a guy that pursued me and I dated for six months who was like my idea of an incredible godly man, super attractive. Um, and And... I was like, oh, as soon as that lie was gone, it was like I was so much more open and I wasn't having this thing holding me back. Um, like you said, too, that was actually hindering future future people coming up to me and it wasn't hindering me pro- projecting that I was available. And the reason he said that he came up to me was because I looked like I had hope to be in a relationship. Like he could tell I was hopeful and that I really loved who I was because that is attractive. And so... I love what you've said is that, you know what, being intentional about the stories we tell ourselves, super important. Yeah. Um, and just going back, is there anything else that the Lord spoke to you about yeah, that? Yeah, and just letting him affirm us, even though I didn't feel like my, thankfully, like the person um, didn't say any attacking statements. I know that can happen, um, which is really sad and unfortunate um, when people part ways. But um, I just think it's good to let God affirm us and just like you said, ask God, okay, what do you say about me? And just writing down what he says. Um, the good thing is when we write it down, we can reread it and then just like renew our mind with that truth. Um, declare it over ourselves. 
even having good friends, like it's kind of a vulnerable thing to do, but even asking a friend, like, like, um, like just calling up like Beck, I just, this just happened. Like I need somebody to affirm me. Can you just like, tell me what you love about me or give me some good identity statements. So that's another way to kind of affirm yourself. (laughs) Come on. Yeah. I love seeing how much you grew. You grew in all of these five things like exponentially and had so much breakthrough. Like we worked through triggers. We worked through past hurts. And like now I feel like you are so much more free. Um, you know, you love people so well. You already you did before, but now I feel like there's just such a freedom and a friendliness that's being birthed. Um, you know, you're having more guy friends, you know, there's you're you're dating more. There's uh, more opportunity. You're putting yourself out there and you're receiving the fruit of that. And so I just, yeah, I really want to honor you for that. I'm really excited for what the Lord did through your life in the last three months. I feel like it was an accelerated process having somebody walk with you every step of the way. Um, But yeah, I'm really excited also to hear the other five. I think we'll do that at part two sometime soon. So because I'm looking at them now and they, they sound really cool. And I think that people are going to get a lot of breakthrough from them. And so I just want to thank you for sharing. Um, if you'd like to pray for anybody listening before you go, I think that would be really powerful. I feel like there's breakthrough that you carry and um, impartation as well that you can give based on, yeah, just how much growth you've had um, in the last you know three, three and a half yeah. months. And thank you, Beck, um, so much for investing in me. And you're just a fantastic Absolutely. coach and great at championing people. <laughs> Oh, you're so sweet. You are so welcome. You're so worth it. You're so worth it. Mm. Yes. So I just want to pray. Mm. Jesus, thank you for everyone that's listening. God, you know um, the specifics of their situations, um, what they need healing and breakthrough in. And so I just ask that you would um, highlight uh, just one thing that you would like to um, affirm in them and just uh, uproot any lies that they're believing um, with and replace that with the truth. I ask that you would do that now, whether it's a lie they've been believing about themselves or um, the lack of perspective, um, men or women out there. I just ask that you would um, renew our minds with the truth and that you are a God who loves us. You're a God of abundance um, that we don't need to um, worry about the future or or worry that there isn't enough or that there isn't someone for us. But we just thank you that you are for us. And uh, I just ask you would bring divine connections into the lives of people that are listening and that, um, and that they would meet um, people of the opposite gender that would enrich their lives and even become friends. Of course, we ask um, for divine connections for future marriages as well. But um, along the journey, we just ask that you would bring us um, connections with godly uh, people of the opposite gender that can um, just help us become who you want us to be and that we could uh, sharpen each other. And yeah, we trust you and thank you that you are guarding our hearts and protecting us and keeping us for um, the right person that you have for us. I pray all these things in your name. Amen. Amen.
Amen. Thank you so much, Sarah. You are such a blessing. I'm really excited for part two. Guys, have an incredible day and we'll see you on the next podcast. Bye-bye. Bye.